Meet me on the softer side. Meet me on the softer side. Softer side of your heart. Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. You can find out about this and all of our other author events at www.skylightbooks.com, where you can also browse our inventory as well as order books online. You can also follow us on Twitter or even be our friend at Facebook.com. If you'd like to talk to a real person, we can be reached at 323-660-1175. And don't forget, Skylight Books depends on listeners like you to help support us. So whether you're in our neighborhood or browsing online, buy a book or two to help ensure that we'll be around for a long, long time. Thanks and enjoy. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're very happy to have Will Alexander here. Let's give him a round of applause. And thank you for coming out, uh, friends and friends and friends, even if I don't know you, friends and friends and friends. Uh, you know, poetry readings should be compact in what they are and shouldn't be too taxing. So what I'm going to do is, 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 is it's going to be a rhythmic method where we just talk, read some, talk, read some, and poof, you know, <laughs> we take the magic away into the atmosphere because we, we need the atmosphere uh, suffused with real magic. Um, just yesterday I was looking at the, um, at the newspaper and it was interesting. I mean, we were, you know, we talk about this topic quite a bit, but there's just, there's an unsustainability about the circumstance that's so interesting because uh, they, they had this meeting of oil ministers in Vienna a couple days ago, a few days ago, and the Venezuelans and I think the um, Libyans blocked the, the, the Saudis uh, uh, upramping of, the, uh, of the, uh, uh, the upramping of their oil. So the Americans had to go into the reserves for the 60 million barrels, right? So, but the stat I'm getting to is that those, those 60 million barrels, they use, uh, we use in the world 60 million barrels of oil every 16 hours. I didn't know that. It's intense. So, we're in an intense, uh, tense combination on this planet as human beings. Very, very complex, you know, for uh, human beings to uh, begin with and to end with. And so what I'm going to do is is uh, complexify through language, but if you just listen to it, it'll, it'll turn into a simplicity and, and, and let it just, just, just drift into the ozone in your body or transmute into ozone. The, the first poem I'm going to read is from the... Um, a compression and purity book called uh, Compound Hibernation. Those who glance about me, who cease to see inside the sun, who cease to imagine its destabilized prequanta, cannot know me, cannot know my ethos as pumice, as mingled apparition or fire. My perception through the prior sun that I ingest like a blackened pre-existence or collected hawks through assignation. The sun with its dualisms, with its prebiotic photons which waver, perhaps nine suns before the sun existed, before the oceans seemed formed. There were molecular drafts, Akashic precursors, floating proto-ammonia. I think of carbon and wisp and floodings of feral combat shelter where blank geometry accrues before a separable biology was born, before the contradictory ballast of de-existent protozoa, being scorching photon by abstentia, like a pre-atomic sigil destabilized as blizzard. A precognitive rotation, a strange galvanics of the cosmos, and because of this galvanics, one reeks of invisible tremor, walking around in league with daunting helium affliction. Thus the mirrors in my skin like haunted salamander fluid, like cells bereft with cooling centigrade rotation. Therefore, I know the abyss as volatile lunar transposition, as subliminal mantis, as climbing, as splintering. Therefore, I am not an oily or blasphemous yogin, collapsing in default by sudden anger or water. 
Yet I am compound, struggling with a scattered mental arrhythmia, with partial psychic aphasia, intensive, elusive, aloof by interior compounding. Coping prana. And uh, you know, it's, 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 it's difficult to breathe as a, as a creative person in an environment that you're always, always, always uh, struggling uphill. And Camus is absolutely right, you know, about rolling the stone back up the hill. <coughs> Bless you all the time, all the time, you know. And, 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 this, and this is really difficult the further you go because it becomes very, uh, very uh, refined and, 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 and very enigmatic in terms of this resistance that you're working against. So it's not a, a strictly political uh, uh, misnomer that you're pushing against. It's very complex. Coping prana. It is the way I breathe through chronic terrifying ferns, through a black ungracious stoma. It is this re uranium rejoinder, this impact pointing backwards. And when witness causes observers to panic, to blur, and forget, and to flee, they can't see my approach, my wayward dorsal looming, my lettering and black drizzle. It is my approach, my weaving, my sigil as curved embankment. Therefore, I can never name myself or plot myself according to the sparks or the splinters from the workbench. Dazed, ruthless with salivation, with my awkward insular roamings, I am like a few darkened eaglets riveted against the moon. Then I am brought to a table by deafness, feasting with herons, which spins me by embranglement, by encircular abatement, always seeking to have me nuded beneath my derma so as to talk to myself, so as to cancel my structureless scrutiny. They speak of me as lawless, as despicable as a typhoon in a sea well, as tomorrow's, as to fixed and accelerated combination. They fix me as deserted, bereft, as a fragment from a starving lion's compendium. I am considered as pointless positron without image, as hieroglyph, as sundial, as martyr, being leakage from a barbarous index province. What I do when I write, I, um, the mind goes blank and uh, you know, I just begin to uh, work in terms of the actual motion of, of, of what's being dictated to me. Uh, it's like automatic writing, but uh, I, I don't use it as a uh, in an ideological sense whatsoever. It's something that's just natural to me, and it actually I discovered now that I think about it when I was about five years old. It was just something I felt, and something that it just just percolates inside of me. And so uh, you know when uh, Sri Aurobindo uh, was writing this this journal. Um, Arya, uh, 1914-1919, where he, he produced these incredible books, uh, you know, The Life Divine, The Synthesis of Yoga. These, these books are like thousand pages, some of them. And as the mother said later on that, uh, you know, Sri Aurobindo wrote those without a thought in his head. <laughs> <laughs> And also, you know, see, I'm interested in this writing not not only from from Freudian subconscious levels, but from the supraconscious levels with the light up above, which the West never considers really. It's only the subconscious and the physical. So, uh, with all that said, I'm going to read the title piece from this particular volume called "Compression and Purity." In this fire of fluidic jeopardy. Diamonds uncoil and reconstruct and recondense like adjudicated burins or telepathic moon forms. Like psychic drafts and diacritics being pressured by conundrum and purity, compressed below the level of the gaunt reflecting metals. Diamonds crushed in glinting pions, incessant suns in the petal for vapors, where the sun quakes by quanta, by powerful interior fractal. 
singular diamond like a juggler or a hawk in condensed mercator warrens where signs ignite in the phosphines, like the shape of a comet as Sedna, or holographic combustion compressed, burning the dialectic of the ice house. The ground as habitual day star, as aerolith, as perfect star in the phantoms, known as paroxenes, as repetitious pyroclastics, as lowered concentrations of void being basalt by subductive infinity. Diamond as subduction, as errata of mist under vapor. In these diamonds, in my mind, not of the human blood soil of protracted avidity, but of blank alchemical stresses, being wealth as random mountain ore, being poetic spurs, being strange supraphysical hallucinatory hives, which come down and retreat in the ethers like double-blinded mountains or a halting circuitous heat from the Permian or Mississippian. Not an avalanche of morals or a decided human predicate, but the predicate as primordial, as helium, as olivine, as hydrated metals, as feral ozone dosage. Compression then precocious with neon reversals and flaring with dense and angular heightening being a fabulous schist, being monoxide and hearing with the sun spun around and condensed by petrology. Uh, you know, so I'm interested in, 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 in all facts, factors of the, uh, of the living experience. Um, and I'm thinking, you know, as, 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 as on a social plane as things become more compressed and, 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 and more uh, spuriously monitored. Uh, what will they say about geologists who talk about deep time? Which is deep time, you know? 10,000 years, 20,000 years. Like, when you talk about mountain building, you know, this, this is something that the media <laughs> cannot grab a hold of. And I, the, the, the nanosecond, you know, situation. So, you know, what, what I think poetry needs to do at this time, or creative thinking needs to do, be, be you a poet or not, just a creative person, is to begin to expand the, uh, the boundaries out there, out there, out there, out there, out there. So <clears throat> we become less, less frightened about our, 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 our seeming limits. You know, we begin to just move into them rather than shrink away from them. You know, and that way I think, you know, the, uh, all the strictures of what you need to do, what you should do, how you should do it, what you should do, what you should say, you know, starts to evaporate. And this is called the deluge in formation. If one believes oneself as stasis, there exists no seepage, no neural density or scar. One then saturates as ash, as pointless cannibal's lethargy, as dislodged ink from a podium or a treatise. One comes to know demobility as a craft, as an arc which solders itself to specifics. Yet to know one's not sequestered through mundane advancement as doorway or basic habit as speculation. I'm speaking of chastisement or cross-referential superimposition. Within this condition, I'm more like a crow from crucial underwater fires. A crucial underwater crow. Neither Chinese or Shinto, but of the black dimensionality as hidden underwater mass. Which persists by daring, which seems at the surface a purposeless kinetic or a pointless mandrel's infection. Saying such, I consider myself a reddish Shinto crow, then just as strongly a black anathema crow, then just as quickly a sun-fed crow from snow-washed volcanoes. So I look to myself as winter, as inclement carrion monger, as flight through great electrical haze. I being blur who shapes the Empyrean, who invokes withdrawal, who instills in his forces stunning psychic transference. And uh, I'll, I'll read a couple um, 
shorter ones, and you know, uh, I've. I think that in everything you write, every word, every letter of every word has got to be soaked with the consciousness that comes before you write. So it just comes through living, you know, your way, not somebody else's way. So it's not it's nothing to do with mistakes or or, or, or looking bad or, or, uh, or looking good or whatever that means. You know, those are just relative terms. You know, so you know I think Norman Mailer, who I'm not a big fan of Norman Mailer, but he says no. Carlos Fuentes and Norman Mailer said one day they 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 stumbled and they slipped and they spilled water. <laughs> Did something, you know, that it was at an op inopportune moment, but it 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 it, 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 it spurred the voice uh, along. And so, what I'm saying is, when you are living, everything is soaked with this 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 energy. So for me, it can be just one word, or I write sometimes very very long poems, you know, and you know, one of them is over 500 pages. But but then again, but I put the same energy in a one or two-line poem that I would in, in a big one. It's the same thing to me. It's the same field you're working in. So it had nothing to do with quantity, but with the quality. So this is called the pointless nether plow. It is farming in an inclement sun system, like a powerless nether beast fallen amidst random stellar debris. Fruit changes form. Light then quavers across distorted mural relics. The farmer, then living as a clarified adder, his landforms compressed, his wheat suspended and flaring, his unstable forms carving his soil with volcanic blue seeds. And uh, I'll read uh, Amidst the Liminal, in the cranial foundation, there are colors which erupt into a blankness which reconnoiters, which re-erupts into ratio, into earthquake curricula, in which a form of flames spirals frayed at its core by potentia. It's called another plane. Absorbing a tumbled foci, absorbing vertebrous angularities, with blackened electron resistance, with a coiled and perfidious complication, like a fowl in a blazeless solar ocean, scattering its sound across noiseless sodium rejoinders. A zodiacal instant. To coordinate tigers, to look into the bright domain of sullen deactivity is to walk on threads, is to hallucinate Navamshas. And this is entitled Beginning After Existence. Because, you know, I'm interested in after existence and pre existence too. What 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 was going on in in, in 1928 or <laughs> <in> 1918? <laughs> well, where were we? <laughs> Seriously, I mean, you know, because sometimes you know I go through the dictionary, you know, and I just look at look at just dates of people. I said, Jesus Christ, that person arose like Sir Thomas Brown arose in a certain era. All right, Rambo arose in another era. We arose in another era. You know, what's to come? You know, what's, what's happening with that? So you, in other words, you, you can never work with what, and maybe on some level you are, but you're coming in this world with a gender, a color, and a date. And, 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 and what you have to understand is those are vehicles for movement, not for repression. So um, this is why we want to encourage always motion. So is, in other words, these are, these are all gifts that you get when you're born, not, not, not something that should be detract, is a detraction. All right? So this is called beginning after existence. On the threshing floor, there are spiders which astonish, 
with replications which irradiate, which strike resistance, which terrify, which defoil carnivorous amoebas with each fiber, with each mandible, with each blood not gone astray, flailing, embryonic, shifting out of red or exerted magma, threading their weight throughout a melanotic angle into ghostly osmosis. And poets, and, 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 and I think this audience here understands this situation is, 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 is quite daunting, you know, being, being as, as we are, you know, and thinking in, in what's called the right brain all the time in a left brain society. You know, you're always going up the hill, even with sometimes your nearest and dearest. You know, it's tough because you, you just, you're just in another activity where the whole comes before the part rather than the part, you know, dictating the whole. And so when you're going the opposite way, when, when, when the whole is, is, is coming through and, and the parts are, 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 are scattered and bickering at you for, 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 for subsuming them in the whole, then you have this continuous tension that, that transpires. And, and so this, 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 this tension was very magnified in, um, and, 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 and one of my, my favorite beings was, is, is, is Cesar Vallejo, Cesar Abraham Vallejo, who um, this audience probably knows the story very well, but and I don't want to repeat it too much, but you know, he's, he's a displaced Peruvian in Paris in, in what, 1925, 26, 27? It's far out. <laughs> far out. Dislocated. And... Uh, this is a poem, uh, it's a little longer, and we go from a, you know, the shorter pieces to a longer one here. This is called Combustion and Leakage, and uh, it's Four Seas of Vallejo. And, uh, you know, this, this is a myth mythical story. I don't know if how, how, how true it is or not true it is, but uh, he and the uh, poet um, Rene Char were supposedly the, uh, uh, drinking horse urine for health. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know. I don't know if that's the case. Okay, but this is something that I've heard speculating. How these things pop up, you know. We, you know, it's just, or it's like Dostoevsky's father was drowned with vodka. <laughs> we don't know how true those stories are. But but in, in, nevertheless, this, this man had a very difficult life, and and, and uh, you know, it, w w was always short, 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 short of change. I guess that's how he got the. Um, the the uh, the trills because he uh, he was he was he was he was money short and he, and he and he of his this this uh, trills he was gonna this is earlier in his life and 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 he, and he was brooding on the fact that three tres 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 as he was short and and it turned into trills the sound. But this is this is for the overall uh, of Vallejo, and it is, it is a, it's a quote from him. Uh, it says, "Brooding on life, brooding slowly on the strength of the torrent." I ascribe to you combustive ozone and witness a rhythmic triune inferno, acidic soil and self leakage. Your legacy being assault by tragic torrent like a courier compounded in a blizzard of whispers. Being random synapse structure, being blood which seems to gain on itself by overall despair, by its subject of dismissive errata. These remain its crucibles, its rocks, its discursive embitterment. One then smells its flanks, its chiaroscuro of bottoms. And because your blight obstructs, your words break off and scatter inside their schizophrenic mazes, consoling themselves by means of the fleeting, the brutal. Pained as you spoke about the shadows accrued between tumbleweed and slaughter, between occlusion and its riots, you sat breeding multiple and varied as a ghost. 
Caesar, it was you who dug bread for the miners in the burrows, knowing full well the tungsten and its threading, knowing full well its metallic underground peninsula swinging back and forth between hunger and the motion of its three solid bodies, collapsing in the dust with its oxide soaked by instantaneous compounding. And you knew this compounding by superior reason, by proletarian contaminant, by charismatic striation. Events were empowered by residue, by pointless tension, by motionless combat as advance. Then grammar as voltage, by infernal slippage, by illuminate ellipse, enriching the mind by defanged advancement by fatigue of place, by malarial disclosure, being perpetual solar force or telepathic culture, being lunar force by diacritical osmosis, curiously decoded as working sawdust invictus, as brooding voice by specificity. I'm speaking here of your disrupted seasons, speaking with Lorca and nomadic transpicuity, with our toe and fleeting glimpses, your life obscured by anesthetic linkage, by broken luck and betrayal. <clears throat> I am listening to the salt inside your hunger, like an emaciated grail, corroding second after second your haunted porous urn. The self of yourself wasting on blood counts, its disaster, its molecular ruination, haranguing itself with the body ill-fitted and emerging with new deficits. Yet with each new ingrained astonishment which rises up as language, which unsettles strength with derangement, Knowing the monads disperse through a medium not quite glass, not quite poison. Not quite the power of a prone or visible galaxy, an enigmatic heresy, a surge through ailing verbal fauna like a burned monomial wool forming into blisters, into suns which extract the metaphysical from mystery. And it was by this grace you called on Marx, on Feuerbach, on Hegel. You described disruptive, descriptive neural banter as partial centigrade rotation, like ammoniated refuse setting fire to the skin. This was your workbook, Caesar, precipitous with pressure, with logarithmics as jeopardy. You were the body which dwelled inside a Yokohama sea quake, from which birds broke loose as ammoniated spells. Then the Tellurian opposition of the simplistic hyrax, or the terse dysfunctional serval, parallel and cunning by indifferent roulette. The vivacity then stunning like the memory as aural parasite as stained but provocative ambrosia. Of course your poetry quakes with dialogics, with personal scarring on its corpses, with scrawling literal tincture as battle which persists at rebellious pacing. It continues to know in the present the Hadean splinters, the variable eye in its blindness, being a warped and contagious recognition. So when your brooding went astray, it further increased your wrath. Your spellbound pneumachia struggling out of stone, akin to soutine with inner gallstone etching. I think about the early loss of love, the bogus jailing in Trujillo, your residue from fallible personal exhaustives. Again, the splintered Catholic agenda, the derived intendency from the hearth, allowing your view of the parochial tome as a misplaced inferno. Of course, you lived in an unknown furnace as a wasted forensic salt count, as domestic abutment, as feral living arrangement. You fed on harassment. You took encoded peasant's sugar, living on caffeine, on a factual kind of pumice. There was always about you this alien kindling, this speculation is dread. You were the immaculate saboteur, the incognito footman, your auric fumes partially illumined by furtive candelabra. 
I can think of nothing less than incendiary deepening than precocious enciphering being the call and response of ailing falcons and sea hares. Your irrational range, true suffering as flamboyance, as starving carnivore as disappearance. As a result, your ghost no longer cast image like ether and silk or an echo within an elevated mayhem. Your territory, vehement. Your self-gambling, panic. You took risk against deception, against abduction and bitterness, always encountering a swamp of locusts and the phosphines. You remain for me the introvert, hidden with cattle, with proletarian morale. At times your voice, extinguished in the chronicles, exchanged in the fauna of your wayward measuring sands. Calling up vacuums written in Vicuña, through fabulous confounding, through anarchical visceral cascade, like unstructured findings, curiously filtered through a partially constricted gullet. You who called on the deafness of God, on secretive personal ascension, with the fleas shorn from your hide, as you propounded to the end the fuels in your fiendish mineral ballistics. In the end, Vallejo, your weight, your attenuated positrons fighting for every inch of ground, for every coating in the trachea, seeming to condense as a bedlam of study, or a curious momentary eel ensconced with a scarred Newtonian floating. Thank you. Uh, we'll read one more from this volume. And you know, I think poetry readings, as I said from the outstart, can be very, um, very strenuous. <laughs> and uh, it's hard to listen to it, but, but I think people need to read poetry. And when you write poetry, you, you, you should uh, make sure that, that, that it can handle this itself on the page, but also it has to handle itself with the voice. I always say this, you know, when I'm writing it, it you know, I, I'm in London, and, 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 and when I'm speaking it, I'm in Ghana. Because you know it, 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 it's got to it's got to have that upflow. It's got to have that, that that energy coming out of the body. So everything is, is for me is, is in the body, in the mind. That the whole thing has to go in concert. It's like when you have a big orchestra. You got you know it's like. By the way, there's a great thing on Stravinsky tonight coming on on KUSC. Uh, on the right of spring, and it just broke through, broke through, broke through because used the whole orchestra and expanded it. And so this is what you got to do. You got to expand the voice, not contract it, because the universe is always expanding. It's not contracting. It's always going out. There's always new stellar nurseries happening. Um, and so I'll, you know, maybe one or two of you heard this poem before, but I'm going to read it again. Uh, a lot of you haven't. So it, it, it's the pulpit of Agnel. And you know, during this period, you know, there was there was the Black Death, and there was all kind of political intrigue, and you know, political murders, and and the Catholic churches with their armies and their their corruption, <laughs> the, the papacy's divided. <laughs> How can you go to heaven like that? <laughs> it's impossible. So this 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 is this is this is this is this particular pope and this 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 voice is the essence of corruption. Now, what happened to me when I wrote this? I was standing in a doorway. You know, Shelley used to write standing up. It grabbed me, and and I wrote it standing up in a doorway at a job that that's long since forgotten. Because <laughs> the pope, and this is the pope speaking. He actually spoke to me. One take. I remain the Pope at Avignon because nothing in this world can conceal me. I test the limits of my evil prone as I am to bloody offspring by debacle. I, being the leathery witness of evil, I, being the culture of the offspring of evil, I, who ferry toxins on the Sabbath, I, who blossom by means of spillage and errata, Seek in his conclusives to amalgamate hypocrisy, 
to ascribe to force a plain and turbulent bleeding. Assured that my own hosannas resound, that the force of my name alters cataracts in hell. Because I can in no way do otherwise, perhaps pontificate, announce bread, breathe the scars on my flanks as signs from the above, raising as I do certain virgins up from hell, extracting a carnal medicine from the eyelids I left Rome to inculcate the Bosphorus, that thus I remain strategic, and that my eyes are flawed, that my hands are tragically spent. This, the charismatic occurrence of I who seem to dwell within the pastures of deeper sweltering, I being the sorcerer who shreds gowns, who creates justice in life by supreme and opulent ver verdict, by miasma which lingers and verifies confusion, by the dark forms of sand, by the diamonds which erupt arrows that would lead one to believe that I am clinging to ruination for inconsolable payment for making land conform to the subject of rent wheat. Thus I am posterior to different forms which inhale the sun. Thus I am recondite by instability having fathered a mat two magnetic serpents in my struggle with containment. Of course I am divided, miasmatic and melancholic, thus I grant myself the folly, the ambrosia, the scales that weigh cunning in my mitre. Thus I trespass heaven and ascend through stars through nucleic transposition. Thus the bishops advance my meddlesome fornication, one by one advancing my secrets, absorbing a tacit henbane in the skin. And one by one they'll fail, as if a medley of serpents conspired against their treason. And when they die, I'll give them over to God. I'll say that they possess a cleansed rooting and an ochre foil in their hearts. I'll say that their secret assignations were justified by limit, by double fathering in the gene, so that their offspring will conspire to teach me consummation, to take in the soils from amniotic shelters with codes which reveal the lower constituency of boasting. I am a miracle in this regard. I control by lamentation, by fragments in disbelief, by feral conundrum as status. Thus, I cohabit on sheets of coal because each contaminant strengthens as if I pulled a fetid sheaf from lagoons and traded various boats of opal along with a cardinal or reddish manganese. And so amidst the routes of the Bosphorus they admit my own accursedness. Yet they shield me. They offer intrigue. They offer foregone specifics so as to shelter my mission, knowing as they know that gold condenses as evil, that Jesus Christ limits and is sorceress and askew. They know comedic investigation. They know the stolen urns, the non-recorded labor. They know that the one true God has never amended his thinking or struggled with his own catharsis. Understanding that I've slept with the offspring of eels, I've hidden a lamb in my garments, have struggled with beasts and all the four-legged raptors. Thus, I've come to my decision to slaughter as opposed to retainment, always concocting in my brain the structure and physiology of monsters. And uh, you know these 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 these, these gentlemen and and ladies that, that tend to uh, work in, in in these political uh, you know factories in life or I mean, remember they're, they're all they're all of them are like temporary workers they're temp workers all of them and and they're, and they're trying to get our votes as temp workers all of them. And so they have these, 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 these nefarious games, and some of them come at you in this way and that way and this way and that way. And, and, and look, look at all the budgets. Last week, the Times had a headline. I, I, didn't, I didn't even need to read it. I mean, the, the weapon sales are out of the roof. But, but the starvation is also going at the opposite direction. You know, so what's going on here? They, they are killers. It's a problem. It's true.
And if you look at the situation, you know, like, uh, you know, listen to NPR and it says, well, you know, you know, several, 20 were killed, 10 were killed, 5 were killed. Like that, like it's nothing. And then they go on to Lady Gaga. Who says that we should go and we should go visit Japan when 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 cesium and, and all kind of contaminants are, are springing up from the soil? This is the kind of world we have. Um, this is a book um, where it, it's um, it's an essay uh, on the substance of disorder uh, that is uh, went out of print almost as quickly as we did it. So what I've done, I struggled to get four Xerox copies, <laughs> but we're going to print this, these later. And uh, if, if you give me a number, a phone number, or email or something, I'll, I'll let you know when they, they're available. I have four copies for a dollar and a half in the back, just for Xerox costs. You can get those. And, but we're going to get these back in, 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 in order. But uh, at this time, I'm going to just uh, finish up the reading. We don't want to go too, too, too far here and, uh, you know, get, uh, get uh, hypnotized by the microphone here. Uh, this, this is a, this is a uh, new novel just popped out of uh, Britain. And uh, I'm going to read. Uh, it's, it's pretty dense. In fact, you know, I was thinking about reading the... Um, introduction too, but no, I won't read the introduction. It's, I'll just read the first five or six paragraphs of it. It's very dense, and uh, it's, I'll give you some background on it. Uh, the uh, protagonist is named Rosanna Galvez, and Rosanna is an incest baby, and she's put away in a Catholic home, and uh, she blackmails her mother to give her one tape per day one tape. So in other words, she she says, you don't ask me what I say on this tape or else I'll let all the secrets out because she's, she's living with her, her, her four brothers, no, her four uncles. Three, three, one, two, three, four. No, three uncles and, and a mother and, and they take advantage of her in many ways and, 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 and she's never been recorded as a living being uh, but by, by any kind of documentation nor are the brothers. It's a complicated scenario, but she's playing chess, and so she has this, and she's playing with less pieces too. Masters will tell you sometimes you can play with less pieces and win a game. Um, you know, and Gary Kasparov and chess people can tell you about that. And by the way, everybody should watch Masters play Blitz Chess. Pop it up on the internet and, and see uh, Judith Polgar and Susan Polgar, the Polgar sisters, or anybody. They're the really great players, you know, and I won't leave the, the guys out, you know, uh, Kasparov and all these people. You can actually see the mind going through the body like that. So she, this is what she's doing. So she, she whispers to herself at night into the tape recorder. And, um, and I'll, I'll read you the first um, paragraph of the. Um, the uh, introduction. It's an imaginary introduction, uh, and these um, and it's written by an imaginary person called Aranzio Perez. He's a poet in London. He did the transcribing of the tapes, and uh, he, I'll, I'll give an introduction here. The book which ignites before you is a galvanizing instigation, a sum which extends beyond itself and becomes invisible emanation. In the deepest sense, one can say that it is tragically anonymous, uh, though an appellation has been secured as the sole generating agent responsible for its existence. As far as is known, our protagonist, Rosanna, has never, was never inscripted with an official surname. Although born and raised in the Galvez household, she was never officially governed by its stamping. Then I go into the datings and the, uh, the situations that, that accrued in, uh, in New Mexico. It's set in New Mexico, on the outskirts of New Mexico. And I called up a, uh, she, she's, she's, she's part of a, a, a copper family, heiress. To, to, they, they, they are living off illegal copper funds. But we won't get into all of that. But she, she uh, is allowed to live because she blackmails the mother. And uh, she starts off uh, by whispering, they tell me I am Mexican and Seminole and carry the aura of a lean, voluptuous beauty. 
that my face is tanned like fragments of rye, that my waist is finely is a finely spun silver which vibrates. Of course, I have never seen my schema hold on or witnessed my own profile or visually tested my own emetics as shadow. I am blind, my eyes tragically scorched in the womb. I was born as a vapor at the end of a frayed November sun, untraceable, blown about like a seasonless dusk at rainfall. Of course, I've coagulated over time by taking on the airs of the crucified, then giving vent to personified regality. Now, I'm merely considered as a strange, fictitious humming, as an ancient tigress caught in shale. Perhaps I am a terminal bride from a negligible diaspora, culled from a wavering menagerie in nothingness. They say that I hallucinate because I've announced the death of my living mother, although she trembles with every utterance of my name. Of course, they never reveal to me the context of her whereabouts or the present procedure of her wayward contrivance. If I am contorted by the continuous onyx in my eyes, one can never tell since my eyes don't blink and I stare in space like a somnolent invector. Therefore, I could never be accused of galactic infection or causing by my motion stars to be sundered so that they rise and explode. If I am complex, it is because I inhabit an eternal infer inferentiality, this being my own zone or plane where I attempt to unify the starkness which rides in my mental gargantua. Because of this wrenching, I've accrued a sense of my person so that I sense my enemies when they waver, when they collect themselves and combine themselves in the wake of duplicitous evils. They seek to ensnare me in their wiles as though they had ingested an array of sons fallen from a grave. And this is not based on a false mnemonic or errata which has risen from my personal debasement. No, it is like an incisive lightning in the wisdom, an engenderment which comes from circling a heightened reptile's hissing. And this hissing is like the psyche of concussive toxins or a primeval leather claimed from thwarted lynxes. I am an individual whose movement is like the diabolics of wasp, of abrogating, insisting upon a wild inclement honing, yet with another range of aboriginal neutering. In this sense, I have surmounted the stasis and anti-stasis of physics, of the spark of its translocation, even when the fire of evaporation transpires. I have fallen through a world transcribed as erasure, yet always forming in my voice the beauty of magnets which coalesce in screaming, these being the ruined integers, the broken entities in my speaking. And because my nerves burn and scatter so strongly, it is useless for me to depict my own jealousies as they seek to ascribe themselves to a baleful or illuminous counting. For me, life is a water of circuitous electrical transmissives, carrying in my wake an electrically studded bodice. Because of this, I now understand bereftment and waste, knowing them to be the stunning nouns in wicked rural pictures. Given this realia, I'm inoculated against shivering reminiscence, against a worn genetics, against roving Holocaust memorials. With the aforesaid in mind, you could say that I have sworn against my family, against its rotted murals, never once provoking sentiment as a private occultation. First of all, let me weigh my anger in terms of grams by existential leaning into torment drinking down potions from chronic degeneration. Understanding that the blizzard of language is tourniquet, is force field, is armadillo warren, and is the signaling of molecules through a curious storm of diacritics. Because of what remains for me is the miraculous embodiment of bitterness, of infabulatory osmosis, filtering through my body as vacuum like an immaculate serpent's light possessing the dementia of remorseless debacle. This is my enigma, 
born under the sign of an implicate algetics. Yet my body giving off the vapor of succulence and rainfall, I make no pathway to any other outer specification, instinctively knowing that I cease to lend my kinetics to the explicit, to the momentary. It is because I have transmuted the sepulcher of panic, the frozen modicum, as denial. I only want to express those blank and indivisible tourmaline enrichments, those fingers choosing the most creative and poisoned symmetries which decline and overtly minimize as quanta. As I masquerade by anemia, yet refusing to take into account my graft by insulibate soaking or the deprivation condensed in my pestilential wizardry. Because of this, I've been accused of psychically sprinkling cinders, maiming the very attributes of wheat. Ah, they say, she cast her burning spores upon the waters by making nature vibrate as though expressing an interior ulceration. It is like making an occult vibration in space, creating powers imbued with electrical inharmony. This becomes for me uh, a wiry millenarian weaving full of corruptible psychic debris having taken from my world a hysterical potion of stamens, then adding a glossary of tainted mineral oils, giving me the power to ransack an old Dutch crucifix with serpents. And I think of these serpents as being at the cusp of present possibility, flying and reacting like mosses under a prior yet convivial atomization a hundred million years ago. Therefore, any truth that I seem to capture can only be tested as a force across a stunning parallel dimension, racked by duality as voltage. Thus, I admit to focus thirst to sunlight formed by gregarious erasure. Again, I am like a sun, powerfully quartered in mazes, speaking of a light weakened by bickering. And by bickering, I mean the tropopause of bickering, strangely structured by a seeming anti-harassment. Thus, I admit my rambling affliction born as Zomaya's deadly and infacturable secretive beast. Of course, I'm not speaking to myself as a scattered memorial, but attempting to square the dice in my forehead with dialectical gestures inside the circumstance of fire. Thank you. Thank you, Will. You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget that you can check out this and all of our other great podcasts at www.skylightbooks.com. Today's music was provided by Fragile Gang. You can check them out at MySpace, Facebook, and the iTunes Music Store. Thanks for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.